Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And welcome back, everybody, to the Beer Ladies podcast. I am playing host today. My name is Tandy, and I am joined by my wonderful friends, Christina and Erica. <laughs> and today we are talking, um, we're, I think we're in our last installment now of our spooky season episodes, and uh, we're talking about magical brews and might touch on a little bit of medicine. But what we're really wanting to talk about is how beer has played a role in things like witchcraft, things like ritual, um, and throughout history. You know, what, what do we know about beer and its magical properties, if anything? So before we get into that, let me just remind you all, please, to um, continue to like and subscribe and follow and share and, and hit us up on the socials. We're at Beer Ladies Pod on most places, including Instagram, by the way. We've matched our, we've matched our two handles. So we're at Beer, Lady, Beer Ladies Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Beer Ladies Podcast on Facebook. Um, and we're at Beer Ladies Podcast at gmail.com and Beer Ladies Podcast. Dot com if you'd like to go and see the website, which is very nearly up to date. Right. So, ladies, let's, um, you know, before we get into sort of spooky season magical brews, how about we go through what are we drinking this evening? So, Erica, let's start with you. What have you got today? Yeah, um, today I have a beer by Wide Street. Uh, they're from County Longford here in Ireland, and it's called Time Lapse. It's the third in this series. I've had the spring and summer ones, and this is the autumn edition. It's an alt beer, and it describes this as a style originating in Dusseldorf with a dark amber color and medium to assertive bitterness balanced out with a malty backbone. And I'm really enjoying it so far, and I really like the fall colors on the can. I am actually so impressed because the, the fall colors on the can match your beautiful headphones. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you got that right, but I think you've got rainbow headphones, but they're gorgeous. And it matches the, uh, the colors of the can there. Very nice. Nice to see an old beer. You don't see many of them, actually. Yeah. Christina Friend, what you got? Um, I'm drinking a Heaney, a New England IPA. It says hops, or haze, hops, and juice, which is exactly what it does <laughs> that's exactly what it says on the tin um i like heaney brewery i like their beers they're 
I don't think I've ever had a bad one from them. And it does exactly like the rest of them. It's quite a, it's quite a, I mean, I like new England IPAs. Like I'm definitely like, you know, an East coast IPA kind of girl. I mean, I do drink West coast in the odd time, but I really am enjoying this one. Sounds delicious. All right. And myself, I've got a cold, dark heart by O'Shea's. Oh, I've got some blurring issues here um, from O'Shea's. And this is one of those that you get at Eldie's. Um, and it's an Irish stout, 4.5%. So brewed here in Ireland. And uh, it's delicious. It's, um, it's really well priced. It's very nicely brewed. So absolutely no complaints. None here anyway. Um, all right. Let's, so let's get into, let's try and set the scene, set the context for magical brews. Christina, I think let's go to you. Let's see what we've got. Yeah. So I have, we've sort of touched base on this, like sort of as, as part of episodes in the past. So now I'm going to kind of summarize, I guess, all of the magical properties of things that we've been talking about in the past, um, including like beer and its use in like ritual magic. So that's kind of where I'm going to start. And um, let's start with the Vikings or let's start with with Norway or the Scandinavian countries. So as we talked about in the beer and Vikings episode, beer or more properly at that time, not necessarily hopped. So ale played an uh, important role in certain ceremonies. Um, we have the ceremony of freedom ale. We have the idea of inheritance ale. We have these sorts of things. So inheritance ale, if I'm reminding you, is the, the ale that was brewed for the funeral feast. So when someone died, um, their heirs or their children same thing, really, depending mm. on the person, um, would brew this ale in their honor and drank at their funeral feast as part of the process of inheritance. So there's this concept of the bragaful, which is sort of the toast to the dead, but also the actual cup in which the ale was held. And this was passed around and people said all these things until the inheritor sort of sat down and then took over this process. Like this is now their property. And we, we've kind of talked about that. So in sort of thinking about spooky season, I have a kind of spooky season uh, example of this. And I talk about this in my book. Um, so this comes from from like a, a Viking saga, um, a big saga. And in this one, a, a ship goes down, right? It's, it, it just goes down and everyone dies. They all drown. All of these, all of these men, they just drown. And it's really, really sad. And so they're gathering to organize the inheritance feast, the funeral feast, they're brewing the ale, you know, they're doing the things that they have to do. And problems arise when the dead come to drink their own burial ale at their funeral feast. And so we have, in this case, I don't really want to call them ghosts because they're physical people. They're like, they're dripping water. They're walking They're you know, they're, they're, they're drowned men. So um, per, perhaps closer to zombies than ghosts. And at this, this is not initially a problem because it's good luck to drink your own burial ale. So everyone is okay with it at first, but the problem is, is they keep coming back <laughs> over and over and over again. Clearly that ale was delicious. <laughs> and so, yeah, this creates problems. So that's, that's sort of that story in a nutshell, but we see this sort of also the importance of, of creating ale. We see it in the, the concept of making christening beer. So you're, you're creating a beer for a new child or a birthing beer for a new mother. 
Um, but, but also, interestingly, I found this letter. Well, I didn't find someone else found and then I found their article. Um, <laughs> this letter between a pope and an archbishop of Norway. And this was from like 1241. And basically, um, the, they're writing about using beer in baptism. So there's, there's apparently a lack of water, a lack of water. And so because of this, they're baptizing their children in beer. Um, and, the, you know, they're like, well, really, you shouldn't, you need to have water because you need to be reborn in the Holy Spirit. And baptismal rites with beer don't count. Um, but this is not to say that they didn't happen. It does appear that they might have actually occurred from time to time. There's not a lot of evidence, but some. So they are possibly using sort of beer in Christian ritual as well. Now, mm -hmm. this might this might not necessarily have been sent. I mean, it was not sanctioned by this letter, but it looks like it could have been used. And this reflects what we saw sort of when we were talking about St. Bridget, because, of course, she is using she had the beer miracle while she was able to turn that's just a small amount of malt into all of those, you know, enough, enough ale to serve however many, all those churches um, because of the importance of the, the feast of, of Easter. So we do sort of see this relationship between beer and magic in Christian ritual and within Christian saints and their prayers to their gods and the prayers to the Christian God and those sorts of things. So we do see this within the context of Christianity. And it's kind of quite prevalent, actually, um, particularly in Irish culture. When, when I was doing research for my, for my book on, um, of course, Irish beer history, you do see ale kind of talking about a lot. And that, that could just be because of the ubiquitous of ale, like everybody's just drinking it. So when we're talking about it, it just, just happens to be what we're talking about. But it is, it's, it's quite common. I think it's really, really interesting. Can I ask mm. a couple questions, Christina? So I was wondering, um, with the Viking presence in Ireland, did that tradition trickle down here, or was it mostly in places like Sweden or Denmark, or you know, did the, that kind? Did the practice of inheritance ale was it practiced yeah. in Ireland? Yeah. yeah. So, so this is like speculation. So, um, uh, informed speculation. Um, let's let's go with that. So um, as I will argue with my book, I think so initially, because because what happens is, is that the Vikings quickly acculturate into Irish culture. Um, this is kind of probably by proxy the fact that their cultures were really similar. So a lot of their practices are really incredibly similar, like and we're going to touch base on this. Well, I'll just talk about it now. Um, so, for example, um, one of the things that you see in both cultures is the act of women serving ale. And in both cultures, this uh, the woman who serves the ale not only takes um, not only is a, a high status woman. So it's a woman serving ale to her husband. So say she's a she's an aristocratic woman. She's a she's a high ranking woman. And she's serving her ale to her husband. And basically what part of this practice, what the point of this practice is when it's a high status woman serving her husband, et cetera, is that she's reiterating his position in the social hierarchy. And therefore everyone else who's drinking and consuming ale at that place is accepting his position. So it's part of this ritual of establishing and accepting social hierarchy. 
But with this, Michael Einwright argues, and I would agree with him, that this ritual of serving and this aristocratic woman not only serves this in a secular sense, but it's also in a magical or religious sense. And this is, we find this ritual in Irish literary sources and in Viking literary sources, also early medieval English. This is happening all over early medieval Europe. This, this this ritual of serving that's also tied up in perhaps prophecy, perhaps ritual, perhaps ritual magic, these sorts of things are all there. And it might not be explicitly said that it is ritual magic, but the, the implication is there. So a lot of these things overlap. So initially when the Vikings come, they are practicing their original traditions and those sorts of things. And we can see that with um, burial practice and those sorts of things. But over time, they acculturate, which means they, they adapt to what's happening in Ireland. They're doing what's happening in Ireland and they're adapting their traditions. You know, a lot of them convert to Christianity. Now, whether they're really Christian or they're saying they're Christian for political reasons is something that scholars will probably always argue about. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're kind of adapting to the local culture. But that being said, we do have evidence of funerary feasts, even in Christian Ireland. So it is quite a big funeral feast, massive funeral feasts, festivals that started because it was the funeral feast of a daughter of a noble man or a daughter of a king. And so then that started this feast, which became a festival every year, which became et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we do know that funeral feasts are something that overlaps in both cultures. But then what is the, um, I guess, the significance um, of the beer in this, you know, or the ale in this? So what, what gives it that, let's say, that magical quality that um, gives it the magical sort of ritual quality of it, I guess? Well, yeah, it sort of depends, I guess, what culture. So we'll, we'll talk about Vikings. Um, so, so the process of, of serving the ale, it's the actual, the actual physical ritual of drinking the ale or mead or whatever. It doesn't necessarily have to be ale, although it is when we're talking about like the funeral ale and the inheritance ale, it is very clearly ul, which is ale. So that's really what, what, what we're talking about. Um, so the process is We'll talk about inheritance ale. So it we have the, the thing, it's called bragaful. So the bragaful means both the process of toasting the dead person and also the cup. So the cup is passed around and people give toast to the dead person. And then it's given to the inheritor who drinks it. Well, they also drink it as it's passed around and then, and then they drink it. Um, ale is also present in possibly um, human sacrifice rituals. So I don't actually trust that as a source for Vikings, though it could absolutely be a source for the people that it's talking about, but I'm not entirely convinced that that's applicable to Norwegian Vikings or Swedish Vikings or, or, or things of that nature. And we see ale possibly being used to reach altered states of consciousness as part of ritual practice. And that's something that you can still see now in, in, in people who practice ritual magic. Um, it is quite effective. It's definitely a way to reach an altered state of consciousness, which can give you that, you know, possibly that window into, into, you know, different, different metaphysical places, much like people would use psychedelics or any other mind altering substances. So we're not just talking about being a bit buzzed. We're talking about a, a completely different kind of consciousness. 
Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like being, being, you know, you getting to that point. So like, you know, I guess we could compare it to, you know, using psychedelics. If you take psychedelics, you reach this altered state of consciousness. You do the same thing when you smoke weed or when you drink alcohol, it is, you are an altered state of consciousness when you drink, even Mm -hmm. if you are a little buzz, you have altered your state of consciousness. And this sometimes helps people if they want to reach this altered state to get into a better mindset to practice perhaps, you know, whatever ritual that they want to, um, because it perhaps breaks down some barriers. Maybe they put up their own barriers for their own selves and they want to break that down, make themselves a little more open to an experience or, or something like that, cast away maybe some of their skepticism or something like that. Um, but that's more of a modern practice. Um, but yeah, we do see substances being used throughout time to reach altered states of consciousness as part of ritual magic practice. And with the modern day um, baptisms and funerals in Ireland, I've noticed something that I didn't see in the U.S., which is um, drinking alcohol and particularly beer. Do you think this custom is kind of a remnant of the time period you referred to earlier? Oh, do I think? Oh, very good question. Do I think that modern funeral rituals have? I mean, oh, wow. What a good question. (laughs) Yeah, I think, well, I think, I think in all of us, you know, all these rituals are couched in history and, and they have reiterations over time and over time and over time. I don't think anyone consciously is like, you know what, I'm going to have these beers and stuff because I'm engaging in an inheritance practice Mm -hmm. or whatever. I think it's more of the ritual of alcohol consumption as a bonding experience, Mm -hmm. which is somewhat universally culturally understood. Um, And it's a way to let out feelings and engage with each other um, in this sort of bonding environment, also possibly highly emotionally charged environment, um, which is, yeah, it's cross-cultural. A lot of cultures do that. And even, you know, within the U.S., I think there are plenty of cultures that would engage in sort of ritual funerary drinking, mm. um, depending on the culture and, and, and what their what their what their beliefs are. But yeah, I do absolutely think that this sort of ritual drinking tradition at celebrations and commiserations is a really important part of culture that dates back millennia. And I was really glad that you mentioned Saint Bridget because she's been in the news recently because Ireland is hoping to add another bank holiday to its calendar. And I believe St. Bridget's Day is one of the top contenders. Well, yeah, that would be really cool. (laughs) I'm always on team more bank holidays, honestly. Especially Um, ones that have got a a beer sort of laid in history. I think that's quite cool. Well, and, and like, speaking of like St. Patrick himself is also, we also see him like popping up with, with ale stories. So in one case um, in the later medieval period, we see him, he's visiting a king and um, a wizard or a druid adds poison to his ale. And so I'll read you a quote. Patrick is then called to the king's couch that he might eat food. And Patrick refused not that. The wizard put a drop of poison into Patrick's drink and he gave it into Patrick's hand, but Patrick blessed it and he inverted the vessel and the poison fell out. But not even a little bit of ale fell. And so then afterwards, Patrick drank the ale. So we also see magic again in this practice of Christianity. Mm -hmm. 
where Christian, where a Christian saint therefore has prayed to the Christian God and their Christian God has then blessed this ale and re- which results in the poison falling out, but the ale being fine. Mm. And I would, I'd wonder if the same is true for St. Arnold's. Um, I actually have a kind of ceramic type metal. Um, he's one of the patron saints of beer and brewing and, um, I'd be curious to, to do more research into that because I, I personally didn't know much about this topic um, before this episode. So I'm learning lots from you and didn't know about the, the threads that were between religion and magic, like Christianity, for example. So, yeah. 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 Like the, there's another Irish saint who comes upon a city and, and, and believes that there's the devil in the ale and then bursts and, you know, prays to the Christian God and the Christian God helps him burst the barrels of ale and drive the, you know, the devil out. So like, you know, ale is both a healing medium. It's, it's something good as we see with St. Bridget, but it also can. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market have poison or the devil so it's but but the ale isn't bad right it's the thing in the ale that could be bad and again this might just be because ale is just ubiquitous and everyone's drinking it or it could be sort of this other association but to be very clear it's not just the vikings and their you know their practices or christian practices it's people of all religions that were practicing and have associated magic and beer um, we're going to have an episode about Sumerian culture, but Sumerians, for example, they had beer as offerings to goddesses. Mikasi, 
um, and, and other goddesses, parts of ritual, their gods and goddesses brood, these sorts of things. So we know from there. Um, on the other side of the world, for example, in Peru, we have both the Wari Empire and the Incan Empire, who both had women who brewed chicha, as we talked about in our chicha brewing episode. And this was a high status, potentially high status position. And this ale was used in ritual and the women themselves potentially op- um potentially lived in or were a very ritually symbolic and important position within their religious practices. So we see that. Um, Going over again, we can see uh, the Zulu goddess of rain, um, who has the lovely name of Lady Rainbow. And we talked about her in our goddesses, our beer gods and goddesses episode. Um, And she's accredited with teaching the Zulu women how to brew. And there's lots of ceremonies associated with bringing her beer or brewing beer by women. And I can list a lot more. So I'm happy to take questions or if anyone has mm-hmm. questions about that, um, get at me on tricks and stuff like that. But yeah, this is not just a Christian or European or even pagan European thing. This is cross-cultural that we see ale associated with magic practice, religious practice and ritual practice. Do you think it's because um, for, let's say, for many, many years before people really understood the science behind um, beer, but do you think it had something to do with people seeing, you know, something come out as more of the sum of its parts and that, you know, it 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 seemed magic because they didn't know how it came mm-hmm. about necessarily? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you can kind of see that fermentation is treated as a bit of like, oh, what what is this? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit, huh? You know, they're not entirely sure what it is. Um, so, for example, oh, back into the Vikings, we have an example of two two women who are brewing, right? So this guy goes out. He's married already. He has a wife. He's married. He goes out. He sees another woman. He wants to marry her, too. He wants to have two wives. And his first wife is like, no, I'm not having this. I'm not, I'm not doing this. And he, he's like, okay, okay, here's what I'm going to do. You guys are going to brew against each other. And whoever makes the better beer, that's who I'm going to stay married to. And they're like, okay, cool. So wife number two treats, uh, talks to Odin and says, hey, Odin, can you, you know, can you give blessing to my beer so that way I win? Well, he spits in her ale and then she wins. And <laughs> there is this idea that perhaps spit was a way that we could have gained yeast in the fermentation process Mm -hmm. in Viking culture. And this is something that we see um, with chicha brewing, also with sake brewing. So using spit is probably a a way that cultures pre-germ theory, pre-understanding what yeast was Mm -hmm. as a way to get um, their beer fermented. But this, this, the whole point of me telling this story was basically to say like, okay, but look at the, again, the magic process to be used as part of brewing. So there, there is this magic that's used in brewing. And I do think that there is probably this association with, well, they don't know exactly what causes it, right? But they do know that it happens. And so, you know, there, there is probably that, but it's also something that's just so ubiquitous in their culture. And it's such an important part of their culture. It can be quite high status, depending on who's brewing it and what they brewed it with. And it can also reach those altered states of consciousness, which are really important for a lot of magic practices around the world. So that's also really important. And also it could be quite nutritional. So it's a really important part of your daily diet. So it's not just something that you drink, but it's also part of your nutrition. It's part of your, you know, your your religious rituals. It's part of this and this and 
and this and this. So it becomes a pretty important beverage. It's also something that people, depending on the culture, drank at all levels of society, although mm-hmm. maybe different different grains were used and things of that mm-hmm. nature. So it is a uniting uh, sort of a beverage. It's, a, it's something that people understand. And I think you still have that now. People understand what beer is. It's not, it's, it's not um, something that is only for certain people. Beer is for everybody, um, which I think is wonderful. Now, there's definitely some, um, some misogyny and some racism and things like that, which does make it sound like it's just for like white hipster guys. And it's just not. And I think, you know, we're doing really much better as an industry being like, yeah, beer is for everybody because it really is for everybody. But yeah, so that was a bit of a tangent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it just shows, I guess, how um, how prominent it was and how normal it was for people at all, let's say, ages, at any stage of life, at any kind of customary event, whether it was a, a birthday or a funeral or a baptism or, you, you know, anything. It didn't even have to really be a special occasion. It could have just been a Sunday. But it just shows how um, prominent and how um, ubiquitous beer has been and ale has been for all of us, really. Yeah, it, it, for for forever, you yeah. know, <laughs> and for so many different reasons. Yeah, there's so many different reasons, and and they're using it as part of you know as part of medicine. And so, for example, we know Hildegard von Bingen. For example, um, she wrote a lot, a really important, um, really important text for for modern historians in order to understand potential uses of medicine um, in the medieval period, and. She had a couple of different ways that someone could use ale as part of uh, the medical process. Um, one is uh, lilim is mixed with beer and honey is a tonic for someone with um, who has been bruised in the chest. Um, and another example, um, malt was made into cakes, which is also something that we see in early medieval Irish texts and, and throughout the world, really. Um, and that these should be put into warm water and placed on tumors. Mm. Hildegard also said um, hops were not much used to humans, um, <laughs> except perhaps as a preservative for beverages due to its bitterness. So this is kind of one of the first links we see between or links possibly between hops and, and their use, although we do have examples of hops from much earlier times. And so it is quite possible that they were using hops, but that's a tangent for another day. Um, but it is it is interesting perspective. And we know that they associated medicine with magic so they're not separate things necessarily mm-hmm. um so for example there's a there's a famous poem um an ode to rosemary if you is it uh it's found in the lost comb manuscript um which was written between 1375 and 1425 in hiberno english which is irish english um either in kildare or maybe in the pale which is of course the reason around dublin but it represents a mix of Irish and English traditions. But in any event, this poem lists all the various uses for rosemary and medicine and magic. They're, they're really put together. Um, it's said to be good for all manner of things, including worms, cold, using it in a bath, making yourself prettier, and helping you get married. So we can kind of see that rosemary is used, and this is this is very much a Christian a poem from the Christian tradition. Um, they name the, uh, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Mary, these sorts of things. So we really, really do know that this poem is is from that tradition. But we do see, you know, these links between medicine and magic um, with herbs, or things you can consume, mm-hmm. things you can drink, 
things you can, mm-hmm. things you can eat. So this is definitely a link. But again, as I said, not just Christian cultures, not just pagan European cultures, but all over the world for millennia, this link has been made, which maybe there's something to it, right? There might be something there that we need to explore, that we need to say, okay, there's this link between beer and magic. Maybe that there is really something to this if all these cultures are saying this. And that's why you see it's still used in modern times. We There was actually a brew recently um, I believe that was made by people who practice witchcraft and they use the brew as part of their magical practice and it was made and blessed and and these sorts of things. So it's definitely something that people are still engaging with and still doing now, which I think is really, really cool. Mm. I'd I'd have to find a source for this, but I've got an, an intuition or maybe a memory or maybe it's, maybe I'm making it up, but I have a feeling that in certain cultures down in South Africa, when you're brewing, your own kombote for whatever occasion it might be, but let's call it a funeral in this case. If you're brewing your own kombote, you often would save some for the ancestors, you know, as a as a way of um, of helping the passage to heaven or to the afterlife or to the you know to the spirit realm in some other way. Which is an interesting concept because it means that you're not just brewing for the people coming; it's um, it is there to help and to almost you know sweet sweet talk the ancestors or also to thank mm-hmm. them you know there's a there's a lot of different um um let's say r- rituals in the loosest term possible that have to do with ancestors um in africa as opposed to gods um but um you know beer and and look beer isn't always clear sort of hoppy beer like it is in sort of a european centric world but it's it's very much uh, made with grains and it's fermented and it's a bit sour and it's it's actually lovely but yeah but it's very, very much part of the culture. Yeah, and I noticed that in um, Bolivia as well, I was drinking chicha at several weddings and um, you're always meant to pour out some of your um, chicha onto the ground for Pachamama, which is a sort of mother earth. And this is a very um, like Catholic community that I was attending these weddings in and they still hold that belief to this day. Yeah. When you do that, the, the Vikings as well, you can pour some out for Odin. But even in American culture where I was raised, if someone had died, you'd pour some out for them onto the ground in their memory. Mm-hmm. And and the link between using ancestors or ancestors and beer and beer as an offering to ancestors is, I mean, again, very cross-cultural. We'll see that with the great ancestress of the Ainu in Japan, um, Brewing sacred beer in her honor until it was banned by the government, unfortunately. Um, it was a low alcohol brew, which was said to make the drinkers closer to their ancestors and deities. Um, in ancient Honduras, we see the same thing there, brewing as part of their culture and 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 to the to their ancestors in Lithuania. We see the same thing. Um, a part of their ceremonies and religious rituals, beer was poured out in the honor of the goddess of grain. So this is everywhere everywhere um which i just think is just so wonderful really Mm. i also found a link to traditional chinese medicine um with hops and barley being seen as healing ingredients in herbal gardens um with hops being treated for insomnia uh depressive symptoms nervous tension and anxiety and barley acting to detoxify, to strengthen the spleen, and to help the functions of the gallbladder. So 
Yeah, literally worldwide. I like the way they yeah. think. <laughs> and I mean, uh, I think I and others that I know have definitely used it um, as a form of stress relief. Um, and I've read that um, some studies have found that it may be um, linked to bone growth, um, helpful for your skin, um, aiding in better sleep. Um, but acting as a supplement, not as a treatment. Um, so never um, replacing food with beer and always drinking in light to moderation consumption. Um, and yeah, I, I also found it contains antioxidants, phosphorus, calcium, potassium, manganese, fluoride, and silicon. And that was from Healthline. And that was a recent article that I trusted. Um, so you know, it's, it's something that's still being talked about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, look, I had my child like 11 years ago, but even then they were talking about milk start for your breast milk, yep. you know, um, dr drink a milk start every day and you'll never struggle with your milk. So, you, you know, and that's, that's a very, very mm -hmm. common thing. Um, and, and for bone density, that's, that's the other one that, yeah. that I'd heard. It was especially milk starts again. Um, and I guess it's got to do with the lactose or whatever, but um, but starts, I think, more than other styles um, and milk starts in particular. Yeah, and I think here and, in Ireland as well, like the, the Guinness um, had some sort mm -hmm. of iron content that they were kind of promoting at some stage that maybe isn't the case anymore. Guinness for strength. <laughs> well, they used to they used to literally prescribe Guinness to yeah. new mothers. Like the 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 NHS used to. I mean, this was back in the this is back in the 19th century. So no one get you know angry about this. But this was back then, sure. and they would prescribe it to nursing mothers. And then, of course, when we we think about the rise of malt tonics and you know their use at like lifting the spirit and don't be lethargic and you know just be these will make you happy and strong and no more headaches and i mean they 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 said that they could cure everything and that might be the ale that might be the strychnine and you know <laughs> who really knows about that but yeah it's definitely definitely something that we see over and over and over again but yeah eric i think you touched on something really important is the that we use ale now as a ritual process of relaxing and we will will not sit there and be like oh it's a ritual but like as an archaeologist i can tell you it's a ritual um if you are drinking ale as part of your oh bad day ritual if you're drinking ale on your friday as oh my god it's the weekend ritual if you're meeting up with your friends in pubs because you haven't seen them in a really long time and this is how you all get together ritual christmas parties ritual work dues ritual um, so we're definitely see all these things over and over again, Christmas dinner, ritual, Thanksgiving ritual. Like these are all, it's all still really important part of our rituals. Mm. We just don't really call them that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't recognize our own rituals as what they are really. Listen, I still believe that when you've got a cold coming on, you just get the hoppiest IPA you can and you'll be fine in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> there, there it is. Dr. Tanny. Or hot whiskey, hot whiskey. Yeah. Or a like hot that. whiskey. That was yeah. not a thing um, when, uh, where I was when, when mm -hmm. I was in the States. But like here, it's hot whiskey, hot whiskey, hot whiskey, hot whiskey. Cares all your ales. Um, I think for, for our family, it was like flat Coke or flat, flat Sprite or one of the two was yeah. supposed to help um, with what ails you. Um, but here, it's hot whiskey. <laughs> ails you. That was a good pun, Christina. 
<laughs> was not intentional. Um, and I've heard of um, babies having uh, brandy put on their gums um, for when they're teething as well. So that hasn't been for decades. That's, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, definitely that's a thing. thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's definitely a thing. I suppose it's a bit of an anesthetic. Mm. It also, you know, would help the baby to not feel it as much, not just because of its physical anesthetic properties. Sure. And I think you do have to be careful if you're making any health claims about beer. Um, but I do have a few more points from WebMD that I found. Um, so it's been studied that beer can increase good cholesterol and contains vitamin B, both of which may lower the risk of heart disease. Um, there's been a reduction seen in the risk of strokes specifically caused by a clot in the blood vessel, a reduction in the risk of death by heart attack a lower risk of developing type 2 diabetes, a lower risk of death from any cause in people middle-aged or older, possible reduced risk of congestive heart failure in those 65 years old or older, and finally, a link with better general thinking ability in those aged late 70s and beyond. So, I mean, I think a lot more research has to be done, um, but... Those are all the good things I found. Um, I'm not going to focus on the bad things um, in this episode. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's look, I I think it's it's the same with a lot of things, right? Um, Everything in moderation, everything's got its benefits and its perks. Mm -hmm. You know, if you overdo it, well, then you're overdoing it and don't expect to don't expect to live longer just because you have six beers a day instead of one. What's the quote? Everything in moderation, including moderation. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that one. (laughs) I love it. Friends, do we have anything more that we want to uh, touch on for magical brews? I'm I'm done. (laughs) Cool. Fabulous. Well, that was a lovely summary. Mm. So thank you, Christina. It's really interesting to see how, you know, the different cultures across the world have really just focused on the same things and through, through time. That's incredibly cool. Um, okay, friends. Well, then we're going to call it. We're going to call it a day, and we will see you for our next episode next week. And uh, just one final reminder to please go on and subscribe to our various channels or to our social medias if you haven't, and share this podcast with a friend. If you enjoyed it, share it to someone you think will. That'd be great. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bonstra, friends. Which Bye. means help. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.